Welcome to the Spurs News Podcast, your home for all things Tottenham Hotspur. Now, here are your hosts. Hello everybody and welcome back to a new episode of the Spurs News Podcast. I am Sam, kicking off 2023, joining me is my partner in crime, it's Matt. How you mate, you alright? I am okay. I am I am having technical difficulties <laughs> to kick off 2023. Uh, my, my broadband decided to go the way of the dodo or the way of our defending currently. Um, and yeah, I uh, I am hotspotting. I'm also hotspot not. <laughs> yeah. I think anyone I'm over fun. under how, 35 how is not going to get that, mate. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, yeah. Uh, yeah, no. talking about going the way no. of our defending... It's just like being a Spurs supporter at the moment. I don't know if I'm coming or going. I don't know about you. Nah, I, I think going um, is is accurate. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think last night um, has helped my mood immeasurably, but at the same time, it doesn't really change anything. Um, it's still still got that same sort of feeling. But uh, we do we do have um, there's a couple of games to talk about. Um, one very briefly, one probably more so, uh, and then we've got a, a load of questions from uh, the socials, and a little look ahead to the FA Cup because it's my favourite competition. Even though we don't seem to take it seriously anymore, I still love it. Yeah, uh, so yeah, let's um let's open up with uh, Laura's favourite game of the season and Aston Villa. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, lovely Laura runs the Instagram and is part of the Spurs News family. She is uh, engaged to an Aston Villa fan. And so losing at home 2-0 to Villa, although painful for all of us, was especially immeasurably painful for her. <laughs> and oh, God. I don't know about you, but I, when I was kind of watching it and it was just so poor, like our display was so bad, I did just keep thinking... I feel so bad for her right now. She sat there with them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and then she said afterwards, probably the most burning kind of indictment of how bad we are at the moment is that they didn't wind her up. They were just kind of like, are you okay? <laughs> and, I, and I think that's that's almost worse, you know? Like yeah. when, when you're doing well and you're flying high and a team beats you and they're giving you stick, you're kind of like, oh, all right, yeah, all right, bring it on. But when you're that bad that the team that beats you goes, are, are you all right? You know, we're worried about you. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, I, I don't think I... Uh, I don't think it's actually too inaccurate to say that the Aston Villa game, for me personally, was our worst performance of the season. Um, and, we've, and we've played badly in a number of games. But there was something about that which felt like Players down in tools, not wanting to work, not wanting to do anything. Uh, someone described it as they all looked hungover from New Year, which I'm now starting to think that, you know, Larice had a house party or something and they all got on the sauce. As long as he didn't drive home. Yeah, as long as, yeah. Well, it's it's why it was his house. house party. That's yeah. Make it easy. Yeah, 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 he's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but what about you? I mean, I don't want to stay on this game too long for obvious reasons, but... Uh, what are your thoughts? Because I know you were going to be at the game. Um, then you had uh, something come up, so you sold your ticket. 
Are you delighted you did that? Or or do you have that little bit of you thought, oh, if I'd have been there, it would have been different? <laughs> yeah, I, I genuinely, I, I mean, I'm not going to be big-headed here, but I, I start about half the chance in the style stand myself. So I think if I'd have been there, uh, there it would have go. been a different level of support, 100%. <laughs> no, do you know what? <laughs> right? I, I joke, but I am, and I will claim, I will lay claim to this, whenever Hugo Lloris make, yeah. pulls off a save, I am always the first one yeah. in the south stand to start, start shouting Hugo, and then everyone follows. So I am going to take credit for that. But okay. it's, when it's suddenly enough thousand fans in there, it's hard to get one going. And for, any, for, for, for yeah. anyone listening who's been to, a, been to one game, let alone a few games, it's such a difficult thing to get a chant going because some sometimes it works and like oh here a fella next to me chanting and oh my like suddenly the whole stadium's singing and other times there's about yeah. two of them and after about a minute you're like just give up lads no one's yeah. following no one's no, following just, you just, just stop now yeah. <laughs> just stop yeah but yeah. um yeah the villa game obviously happy that i avoided it we was we was meant to go away for new years and it got cancelled and um yeah so we had it on the tell on the t- on the telly at home and as with it being New Year, uh, loads of stuff to I've been told to get on with, you know. Yeah, yeah. The boss of the house is like, right, you've got to do this now. So I was kind of torn between, do I keep my wife happy by by cracking on with the decorating or do, or, or do I annoy her a little bit and watch some football? Anyway, after about 30 minutes, I'm like, this problem's been solved for me anyway because I'm not going to watch anymore. And then uh, no. I just said to Seb, just keep me updated. And then I could hear him going, oh, no, oh, no. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, no do you know do you know it's funny because um you're talking about laura and her other half being a villa fan yeah uh you must see it on facebook um spurs the, the, the official page occasionally well i say occasionally i seem to get more time but they'll do adverts for tours and everything yeah, yeah, yeah associated yeah. with that side of it and there was one of them which was a behind the scenes tour and, I, and they call it a behind the scenes tour and it's just a stadium tour yeah, I think it's yeah, with, yeah. A, with a nicer name and there was i think about four comments and one of them was from a villa fan and yeah. he's put we've gone behind we went behind your scenes to beat you two nil and i was like mate that's not even doesn't even make sense right so i, I thought i, I Vicky's always telling me to stop arguing with strangers on, on social media, <laughs> yeah. but I, so I can't resist. So I, I just had to comment and I said, God, you must be king of the bands down your local mate with like some witty, sharp comebacks like that. <laughs> right. So we sort of had a little bit of a to and a fro, but then, cause he was, he was, he was saying how he felt so sorry for me. And I said, don't feel sorry for me, mate. I said like, how was your life in the championship? Like, you yeah. know, we've always been a top tier team, but then he came back with something that really made me like, Oh, he's got a good point. And he was, he's kind of, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was along the lines of, well, at least our club is real as opposed to supporting a, a just a commercial, uh, a commercial uh, business. Yeah, yeah, and, and, me, yeah. yeah and, and, and as I'm reading, I'm like, yeah, you've actually got a really good point, mate. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, I just said, I'll come back from him. Yeah, good point. Like, you know, you yeah, win. <laughs> yeah, good point. Well made. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll take you on the chin. Yeah, your, your original banter sucked, but if you're yeah. going to make well eloquently put arguments like this then we're yeah. done here yeah we're done yeah you yeah. win <laughs> yeah well you're a knob <laughs> that's how to end it <laughs> that's, that's, that's how to end it uh, it's an audience isn't it to be honest you mate that kind of leads naturally into a conversation I was going to have with you here on the podcast which is over the last week um, you've obviously I think the Villa game and possibly that message possibly hit you you've had a kind of uh, I don't know uh awakening a kind of like holy crap this is how i feel 
mm. uh, where it comes to Enoch ownership and the way they run the club. Um, me and you, even on the podcast, the final podcast of 2022, we kind of got into it a little bit, kind of talking about things. And it kind of felt like the Villa game and everything just made everything amplified. And it just seems like a lot of the fan base. I mean, last night, for example, in the first half, you could hear clear as day, we want Levy out of our club. Yeah. Um, I will say that the away fans were pretty divided, though, because every time those chants started, the other fans would drain it out with come on you Spurs. Mm-hmm. Now... The thing I'd say to that is I completely get it. You're there, you're trying to support the team. You ain't supporting the team if you're chanting Levy out, Enoch out, because the team, you know, what's that going to do for him? (laughs) You know? Yeah. Um, So I do get it. I do get the kind of the split view. I I personally think if you want to show Enoch, show Levy your feelings on them and the way they're running the club, there are lots of ways you can do it. How we've seen with like Man United and stuff, organized protests literally show up outside the stadium in your thousands. Lo and behold, it does work. Man United are for sale. <laughs> so, yeah. if people feel that strongly about it, and and the problem is, is they don't. And and when I say they don't, is you you see it constantly. Whenever we have a downturn, Enoch out, Levy out. And you see the banners and you see all these people online. You see, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to have a protest. And like a few hundred people show up. And I will say right now, fair play to you. Because you have got off your ass to go and do it. Whether I agree with your stance or not, you have got off your ass to make the point. But when it's that low a number, it's it's just white noise. The club don't care. Yeah, and and that's that's a thing. Um... It's, it's really difficult because it it really um, it, it plays to their adva- it plays to Enoch and Levy's advantage the fact it is a football club yeah. because as an example yesterday we demolished Palace I know we're talking we're going to talk about yeah. the game a bit later and then suddenly I can imagine half the fans that are really angry and fuming at the club are actually oh actually it's, you know we've won a good, I'm, I'm yeah. happy again you know and, and and so I think they play on. It, because it is because it's it is a lot of and I know I keep saying this all the time but it's this short term mentality where short term thinking where you know you lose two or three games you're really angry you win a game suddenly everything's rosy and and, and it's hard not to think like that it's how our brains work isn't it you know yeah. we Seb for example like half time he he was like Despondent. I, I, I can't yeah. I can't support this team anymore he's like, I can't do it dad and then yeah. and then like you know halfway through the second half dad we're like prime Barcelona uh, I can't I love this club I was so glad like you know so it's it, it's like that for so many like for most of us yeah. And 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 Enoch and Levy play on that, and they play on that. Yeah. So the the only the only way you're going to get a mass protest is if we suddenly find ourselves floating above the relegation zone. That's when it's going to get really bad. But while while we're doing yeah. okay, potentially, yeah, yeah, I it's, mean, it's, I... it's go on, mate. No, I was just going to say I, the thing the thing that keeps sort of I don't know, the, the thing that's bothered me, I think, uh, over the last few days, um, and the more and more i thought about it, the more and more it's kind of bugged me, is, and I, I want to say this off the bat, Daniel Levy, Enoch, ownership of the club, the club has changed and transformed. And it is transformed in the sense of the stadium, 
the training facilities, the commercial aspect. The the club is a completely different animal to the one that they came into. It's now like commercially, it is a massive, massive success, which is kind of bizarre when you think about that other clubs get commercial success off the back of on the field success. Mm. <laughs> but you think about like Man United are the the kind of quintessential team you'll think about. Now, they had their glory period under Ferguson as the Premier League started and the money really came into football. That's kind of lucky. You know, you think about like the Liverpool team of the 70s and 80s. If they'd had that as the Premier League started, Liverpool would have been the behemoth, you know? Hmm. But it was Man United. Man United just had that purple patch. They took that. They ran with it, and they became this giant, giant of a club. And then you've got the situation where the on-field success fueled that, you know? They they just kind of, everything they won, the club got bigger. They got more commercially successful. More people wanted to know who they were, you know? Players were marrying Spice Girls, whereas poor old Teddy Sheridan was doing photo shoots with Sam Fox for Tottenham at the time. <laughs> God, there you go. Well, how many people remember that? Um, but but my my point to this is, Levy and Enoch have turned us into a commercial success without winning anything on the pitch. And I I kind of like I said I was kind of thinking that that's that's a really impressive thing that they've done. They you know they've really managed to do that. But at the same time, I'm now left there thinking. Does that mean that they've built this to the point that we don't need football success and that's why there is no desire to get there? If you see where I'm going with this now. Yeah, I, I do. And uh, I think, I, I don't know if I mentioned it because I know obviously I've been saying uh, on, the, on the chat about how I feel at the moment. It's like like you say, like a light bulb moment. But really the, the light bulb moment should have been that League Cup final. Yeah, with but but Sam, that should have been it, mate, shouldn't it? Because look, look at the cold, hard reality of it. You've got Lee, you've got Lee, uh, Enoch, or say they say Levy. I know it's Enoch, but but Levy's the guy that pulls the strings for Enoch for them, you yeah. know. But he's looking at this and he's going right, okay. So we've got a we've got a, a, a League Cup final in what was it three or four days? Yeah, this is going to be the fans who have just desperate for trophies and they get ridiculed and it's every single time anything is posted on social media or if yeah. you're down a pub you make it it's always like did you win a trophy for that it's just constantly constantly taking a mickey out of Tottenham because yeah. they haven't got trophies uh, for being quite quite good recently you know it's, it's yeah. not like you don't get you don't get um Norwich fans I get get battered with you don't win trophies because there's not that expectation there you know yeah. uh, but with us because we've been playing really well but it's just that been that missing thing so here you go you've got an opportunity to win a trophy he looks at it and he's like do you know what I, I w- I'm gonna I would rather sack the man sack Mourinho yeah. so to stop stop the club having to make a payout than giving them the best chance of winning that trophy because let's yeah. be honest right we was we were struggling but Put Mourinho in charge of that team in a League Cup final, or put Ryan Mason in. Who's got the bigger chance? It's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous comparison, it, isn't it? As it, much as I love Ryan is, Mason, it's a so, ridiculous yeah, comparison. I mean, the the thing, yeah. I mean, we we kind of said it at the time. Jose and Tottenham 
wasn't working and Jose was heading towards the door. There was no denying that. We all knew that. The thing that, like you say, that is shocking about that is the reality of the decision of the club. Now, I will still say to this day, despite my feelings on Jose and as a manager, in a one-off game that you need to win, he is the person I would choose to be in charge. Like, even today, like, if we had a one-off game that we had to win... I would pick Jose Mourinho. I think most teams, I think most fans around the world, regardless of your feelings for him, you do that because he is the sort of guy that would be like, right, we are going to set up to snatch this game. And against Man City, his record for us against Man City was, was really good. And we were kind of a bogey team for Man City at that point, and to a little extent still are now. I mean, I'm hoping they absolutely dick us this season. I'm not going to lie. Um, I want us to beat Arsenal and then just bend over for Man City twice. No, yeah, you, you all know why. <laughs> but um, but in that final, the decision was made of, okay, Jose Mourinho, I can keep him on. If we lose the final, I'm more than justified, given everything else that's gone on, to say goodbye to him. But if Jose manages to win that final it's going to become a lot more difficult for me to then fire him slash financially it will cost more because of his contract, you know, winning a trophy, there was bonuses linked to that. Now I am still to this day shocked that that decision happened. Um, But like you just said, then really the reality is it was a financial decision. The decision was Jose's going to go And if he's in charge, we have a chance of winning that trophy. So I need to get rid of him now. Yeah. And And, and, that that just kind of sums up. That's their thinking. Yeah. Yeah. It's commercial. It's all about commercial viability. They built the club. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Go on. No, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Sam. It it just it just leans into that point, doesn't it? Of the it's 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 almost like we matter because we're 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 giving them. You know, we're we're paying for the season yeah. tickets and for the, so we do matter, but what happens on the pitch doesn't matter really, does it? No, no, no. And and that, that's the thing because they've built this club as a commercial success, regardless. I think the issue is going to come for them is like so. For example, at the moment we've got a deal with Nike, you got a deal AIA sponsor and various other you know Singe and all these different companies, all the different sponsorship deals. Most of them, not all, but most of them were signed during the peak Pochettino thing where we were actually challenging for trophies in the Champions League every season. When these deals come to renewal, if we are not that anymore, then they're going to be a lot less. And it's only at that point will the football be having an impact on the commercial side. What it's just amazing to me. What is mind-blowing to me is that they don't ever draw the correlation between success on the field to success, greater success off of it. You know, like I said, I used the example of Man United, but you can actually use the example closer to home with a club like Chelsea, which I know everyone just knows Bramovich went in there, pumped loads of money in and inflated them. But until Roman went in, Chelsea were not a trophy-laden club in any stretch of the imagination. 
through history, they won less than us, and we are not a trophy-laden club. I think they last won a league title in like 1950 or something like that before we took over. Uh, they'd won like an FA Cup in the last 10, 15 years. They were a club that was always sort of in and dipping in and out, struggling financially. I mean, I remember Chelsea having to have buckets passed round at half time so they'd have enough money to pay their stewards. People forget that. <laughs> Stamford Bridge was a wreck, had like a car park at one end. But Roman went in and he put the money in. But what that actually did is it generated on-field success, which then created commercial success. Like, no one gave a crap about Chelsea until they started winning things. And then all of a sudden, it was, you know, Chelsea-branded stuff everywhere. Kids around the world were buying Chelsea shirts because they were signing top players from all these different countries and it was boosting. But the thing is about, and, and the reason why I mentioned Chelsea, it's like a real mentality thing about winning and winning at all costs. And what I mean by this is at Tottenham, there appears to be an issue, in my opinion, created by Enoch and Daniel Levy, where everybody's comfortable. Everybody feels safe. In fact, we struggle to sell players. Like when a player is deemed no longer good enough for the club, for the whichever manager's in charge, we struggle to get rid of them. There's two two reasons for that. One, clubs know we want to sell them because they're out of form. And two, we refuse to take a hit. Think again across 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 a little bit of London to Chelsea. When they sign a player, if that player doesn't come in, hit the ground running, playing well, doing what the manager wants straight away, they bomb them out. Mo Salah was at Chelsea, didn't hit the ground running, boom, gone. Kevin De Bruyne was at Chelsea, didn't hit the ground running, boom, gone. They took massive hits on them. They took massive hits on loads of players. Timo Werner, not that long ago, boom, gone. You don't hit the expectation of success, you're just gone. And every player who signs for Chelsea, every player in that squad knows you need to be at a level or you are gone. And at Tottenham, it just doesn't exist that way because everyone arrives knowing, I've, I've kind of made it. You know, I've, I'm on good money here. The facilities are beautiful. The stadium's nice. Everyone's lovely to me. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm chilling. I don't need to go anywhere. There's no fear. There's no drive to, to, to success, to trophies. There's no... From the top, it has to come from the top because we've changed. I mean, in my lifetime supporting Tottenham, I've seen squads change, rotate, go, players come and go. I've seen something like 16, 17 different managers, varying abilities I give you, but I've seen all of these different managers come, all of them go. And the one thing that's remained pretty much constant over 20 odd years is Daniel Levy and Enoch who can say in statements to fans, we are here and we want to win things, this is the this is the next step for us, as much as you like. If you don't project that, if you don't operate like a big club, which Antonio Conte is rightly calling them out for at the moment, then you're never actually going to get there. Mm. Like right now, for example, if we were to operate like a big club, Lo Celso, Undombele, Harry Winks, um, Emerson Royale, 
Um, uh, possibly uh, Davinson Sanchez, right? I'm just going to pick those five players right now. Those five players will be sold. We take massive hits on the fees, but they will be gone. Like, not loaned around and hoping to recover as much money as possible. They would just be gone. And where there's a player, um, Sporting Lisbon, I think uh, Pedro Poro, I think his name is, a right wing back that Conte wants. He's got a release clause of 45 million euros, so it's about 40 million pounds, just over. And we're refusing to pay the release clause. And they've said, you hit the release clause or he stays, we're not selling him for any less. Why would they? Mm. And we're not. We're not going to do it. In this current day and age, where the best players are costing 80 million, really, 60 to 80 million brackets, think about it, we spent 60 million on Richarlison. You know, there are other players... Uh, Chelsea have just dropped 120 million on a player um, in January uh, to go with the 40 they spent on another and 35 they spent on another in this month already, and we're into the fifth day of it. Spending 40 million pounds on a player isn't big. That isn't massive. That isn't a that isn't a huge gamble for a team that's so say top four. It's not. It's not a big thing. And when you look at the commercial success of the club and you look at the financials and everything that's going on with the club and all the revenue streams and everything that's there, there is absolutely zero reason the club can't do that other than a lack of ambition. And that's kind of where I am. That's kind of where I'm stuck and kind of where I'm frustrated. There you go. There, end of my TED talk. (laughs) I like it, Sam. Yeah, he made a lot of sense. I I, I think I would even go as far as saying that it's not even lack of ambition. It's that, um, especially Levy, he can't, he can't bear not getting the not getting the upper hand, if you like. So, yeah. for example, ego. Yeah, it's an ego thing for him. So it's like, right, the release clause is forty million. If I pay forty million, they've yeah. just got one over on me because, yeah. and and he, and and that you, you can tell over the years, that's always what it's been like. He cannot bear being the one that has to accept and, and like you like you said with Chelsea um they've 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 let go of a lot of players over the I mean you mentioned a few I mean it's tons aren't they I mean like oh, Torres Lukaku like loads and loads that they've spent millions and millions on and they've taken a massive hit to get rid of but he cannot bear to do that he, he cannot he, he, his brain cannot accept that it, that I'm going to take a loss on this because like you said it's like an ego thing it's like he's he's admitting that he's made a mistake he's in the wrong someone's going to get one over on him they're going to get a player cheaper than what he paid for them and he can't accept that no. and it it just his ego is 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 the problem it's it the is, problem um, because it just I, it's <clears throat> yeah i i believed when we appointed paratici as the footballing director we would see a difference. But the reality is he's still working within the budget set by Daniel Levy. And Daniel Levy is still involving himself in negotiations. It's, nothing's changed. There's a few job titles. The reality is Paratici's actually just another director of football. And we've had several before him. And those, and of those several, many have just quit because they can't handle working with him. Mm. 
in in the summer, Paratici was restructuring the club, and he's working very hard behind the scenes on this for from development academy and also youth identification, identifying good young players to sign for the academy. And to that end, he brought in a guy from Everton. There's a very strong rumor circulating that he's ready to quit already. <laughs> now, right. This guy came in. He signed four players for the academy who are excellent. Not big money or small things from lower lower teams academies. A kid called Will Lancashire, for example. Anyone who follows the under-18s, under-21s, the kid bangs him in. He's even made the bench for like the first team and stuff. The, the kid's quality. And this guy came in straight away, identified him. We signed him. We, we've, done, we've done a lot of stuff, which has been really impressive for me. And this guy's ready to quit already. And the rumour is he just can't operate under the restrictiveness. <laughs> it's just... I, I mean, if, you're, if you've if you come from Everton, with the love and respect for Everton, because they are a club that I, I like, but you're going to tell me, that, that should be financially, even, you know, you can argue about the club sizes, blah, blah, blah. But financially, that should be a step up. You should be moving to a club... That is consistently up there for top four, Champions League, monetary-wise with the stadium and everything else that's going on, you should be operating to a different budgeting level. And this guy wants to go back to Everton because he had more freedom and was better for him to to do his job. Now, that's just a rumour at the moment that's not been confirmed, but it's coming from places that normally have this pretty much nailed on when it comes to the academy. It's just there's a frustration and a feeling throughout the entire club of there is a ceiling put in place by the owners and you cannot break it. And if like you only got to listen to Conte at the moment, now there's a lot of feeling towards Conte at the moment. It's like, well, look, mate, just do your job. If you're that good a coach, there's a squad of players there, you should be doing better. You can argue that. I'm okay with that. But at the same time, he is actually saying things right now that Mauricio Pochettino was saying the summer before he got sacked. <laughs> Which And there's someone dug up the quotes the other day from Mauricio's press conference where he kind of called out Daniel Levy in it and everyone was like, oh, bloody hell, you know, he's not towing the company line for once. And all, what he said in that conference was, we keep getting compared to other clubs because of how well we're doing but they operate on a different level. And the example he gave was Liverpool. And he said, Liverpool have signed Van Dijk for 75 million. They've signed Alisson for 70 million. And he's like, I've got Nkudu for 11 million. It's, 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 it's laughable. It's a joke. It's, it's awful. It's just, um, and I know, I know there's a lot of people who would then say, yeah, but he then signed Undombele for 45 and he signed Lachalso for 38. Neither of them did very well. You're right, but that's the failings of the scouting. He just doesn't have the work effort or like just doesn't have that in him. Whether Pochettino coaching him longer, he could have got that, I don't know. We'll never know. But he has just not worked at Tottenham at all. I feel like I feel like with 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 our signings, um, again, it's it's this kind of this idea with with, with Levy. I think, and I'm look, I'm just, and I'm, I'm presuming because I, I don't know the guy personally, obviously, yeah. but by by his behaviour, it's almost like 
he'll he'll get a, and, I, and, I, and I mentioned this before in the podcast but you look at the Van der Vaart one for example yeah. which was amazing 8 million the guy was just yeah. a legend from the Phenomenal, start yeah and it, and it and and every so often he'll get he'll get his bargain and it and it and it, it pays off but unfortunately there's there's too many times where he'll he'll sign a player and we end up with a Gedson Fernandez you know that like, you know where, where we've just got this player that's just not not good enough yeah. and and it, and it's it's like he he'll take the he he takes the credit for the good ones and like there are there've been some great like Sun's another good example I mean twenty five million that first season you mentioned it, I think last week didn't you where yeah. you said for the first season he was he struggled and we're like blimey we've got another one here we've just wasted our money and he's flown so it, it occasionally he does get a hit but more more often we get the miss that's that's the problem we get the miss more often. Yeah. And and I know I know it's a gamble. It's always a gamble. And and again, I hate you know to talk about Chelsea, but it's a good way to uh, to look at it. That they get the misses, they get the misses occasionally. But like you said, they just ship on, get rid of them, get rid of them. That's you know? the mentality. It's win. Yeah, completely. They're there to no. win football matches. So absolutely. If you, if you if you arrive and you're crap, you're gone. No, absolutely. And you know what? I wanted to mention this as well because uh, it's something that occurred to me as well when I think about how we are viewed by the club as fans. Yeah. Uh, and it was, and and, and again, I, I I think I mentioned it on the podcast when when me and Seb come back from it when we did our little stadium tours of yeah. Spurs, um, uh, Manchester United, and then we went up to Scotland and did, did the Celtic one, and we started off with the Spurs one, yeah. and me and him got to the stadium and uh, there was no well there was no welcome by anybody. It was like okay, we just kind of go through these doors, and then there was like someone at the, someone at the front sort of said, oh. If you just follow the arrows, just follow the arrows, and then just wander about, and occasionally you'd see a youngster in a, in a Spurs training top, uh, just standing there, like, and you'd kind of go, "Oh, should we go and ask them if where to go?" And they'd go, "Oh, just follow the arrows around that way," and then we come out, and we're like, "Oh, that's it." And then we went up to the Man United one, and as soon as we got there, we was met by this lovely guy, must have been maybe maybe mid sixties, yeah. but really lovely, friendly guy. And and um, there was a group of us. We all got grouped together, and I think I mentioned it at the time. There was there was one young lad about fifteen or sixteen who was a Man United fan, and he was just he was crying like you know he just couldn't stop crying. He was like, "This is just the best day of my life," and he was just so uh, overall by the fact that he was at Man United. He'd never been to a game, and he kept saying to the to the guy doing the tour, "How do I get a ticket? How do I get a ticket? I just I can't believe this is I'm I'm in absolute heaven here, you know." Yeah. But anyway, that's a side note. But the, but the the, the the guy, the, the guy that did the tour, was lovely, and occasionally Seb would get the confidence to ask him a question, and he'd go into detail, and you come out and you felt like, and, and again, it might just be manipulation, I don't know, but as far as I was concerned, you came out of that and you thought, that's a really lovely family, f- lovely club. This is a club, like you said, who who went through that purple patch, who went global. Yeah. But you go to Old Trafford and you will feel like you're part of that family. And I'm not even a Man United fan. Yeah. You know, but we come out like just, oh, wow. Like it's almost like the club gave you a cuddle. Have a look at our ground and then give you a yeah. cuddle and then off you went. Whereas Spurs, it was so cold. It was so cold. So like we walked out afterwards and we're like, do we do a stadium tour? Was, do we, you know, it just the whole thing was just so cold. Just walk around yourself. I mean, yeah, that's... just off you go. And yeah, whenever, whenever they promote it, you see like these little tour groups with like someone walking around with them and talking and stuff. Oh, that's crap. I hope, I hope you sent some feedback on that. I hope the feedback was like, this was ass. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I see. I don't know because I know. When did we go? It was. Um, it would have been. It wouldn't have been during lockdown, but I think we probably would have had some kind of COVID in place. I think I don't. I don't know whether it's changed now. But honestly, it, it it couldn't have felt any colder if it tried, yeah. and then yeah, and again horrible. when we went up to yeah. and we went up to Celtic, um, didn't we? So so in the morning, me and yeah, said the remember, Celtic yeah. one, and again, tour guide, fantastic. I remember him going to me, so well, do you, and he went, oh, you, you obviously you're be. not local. Yeah, and he was and he was going, oh, do you support me, Tottenham? And he went, oh, he said, let me tell you about a game in 1964. I think it was a friendly or something. He went, yeah. I've always got an affinity for Spurs after that game. He said, I think you beat us three two. He said, but I've always going to have a piece of Tottenham in my heart. And honestly, oh, it was goodness. it was lovely. The whole thing was, and we got a cud, we got an imaginary yeah. cuddle from them. And also, it was during it was COVID because I remember him saying that we had to stay outside. So because in Scotland, I think they take it things a lot more seriously up there. Didn't they? So I remember him saying, look, we're going to have the tour, yeah. but we're going to be staying outside. So unfortunately, we're not going to be able to go through the dressing rooms. But it didn't matter because yeah. the whole thing felt friendly and warm. And, you know, it, it felt like a club. And he was he was telling us about all the history and how, um, you know, it's called Parrot. You know, it was just it was a really lovely, that's, that's lovely tour, like the Man United one. That's, that's yeah. how those things should be. And that's. With that new stadium, I, I swear, a lot of the time, because like, I remember the fans made a big deal about the ticket prices, quite rightly, you know, like, we're we're winning nothing, and yet we're the highest ticket price, you know, come on now, this is ridiculous, you keep putting them up. And their argument that they came back with was, yeah, but you're in the best stadium in Europe. Yeah, it's so like, and it, it comes back to this commercial mentality of their point of view is like, yeah, but it's, you've got a really nice seat. I mean, what, what more, you know, what more could you want? You know, mm. the reason why you're paying is because you get to sit in this amazing stadium. It's like, well, yeah, but the reason we go to sit in the stadium is to watch a football team. And if see, the football was crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See what I don't understand, Sam, because I know you, you, you said it before. Uh, uh, speaking about Joe Lewis, uh, when you said that, didn't you say he's just been to one game and yeah. he had to ask what what colour Spurs are playing in? Yeah. So for, I understand from his point of view, from Enoch as a company's point of view, it, they can't make that association. But as far as I was aware, Levy, even before he took over, the, before he got involved, was a Spurs fan. Yeah. So I don't understand. I don't understand why he he's got that such a disconnect. I I think. Uh... I mean, it's a debate that can go around and around and around. I, I think, and I will say this, and this isn't me defending him, I will say that the job is always very different when you're doing it compared to on the outside looking in, saying, ah, you should do this, <laughs> because yeah. you are you are facing the realities day to day. Like, I can sit here and go, look, I can look at the financials, I've got a financial head about me because of my career, and I can look at that and go, the club have got money. There's money everywhere. There's literally every home game we generate millions. It's like they're the revenue streams the club can spend. There, there's no way that the club can. But Daniel Levy is risk adverse. And by that, I mean he will not take a punt on it. And, and you could look at it and say, possibly because of the recruitment in the past, he's terrified of doing it on a bigger scale. You know, you spend 60 or you spend basically 100 million one summer on three players. That was Ryan Sessegnon, Tangi Undembele and Giovanni Lo Celso. 
La Celso basically used us as a training ground for Argentina and never played for us, and when he did was poor. Tanguy and Dembele, we've talked about the death. No one needs to hear me talk about him anymore. And Ryan Sessegnon, first season was injured, second season he went out on loan, and now is a bit part player still. So still, that $100 million spent hasn't generated anything. No success. The players, none of them really, you know, none of them are nailed on first team superstars. None of them are that sort of thing. And if you spend $100 million, you kind of want a return. So when the club are saying to him now, or the fans are demanding to him, like, no, just go and spend money, you jackass. The money's there, spend it. I, I do understand there's going to be a level of hesitancy, but when you appoint someone like Paratici, who, see, it's funny as well. You know, you talk about how the fans, you know, uh, lose a couple of games, we're ready to jump, win a game, we're all back on board again. Matt? Yeah, 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 go away. Sorry, sorry, mate, I thought I lost you then. Technical difficulties, everyone, blame me. Um, Paratici is condemned largely by fans online for our signings, and yet when I look at them and the work he's done since coming in, I think they're actually really impressive. Um, Kulisevsky and Bentoncourt I criticise that heavily and have just been eating humble pie ever since. They've been phenomenal for us and continue to be, you know, when they're fit, we are a better side, different side. Yeah, we've missed them. We've definitely missed them. Right up there. Um, When you look at uh, QT Romero, somebody brought in, is definitely a level up from the other defenders at the club. He just is, um, regardless of my personal feelings for him at the moment, which can change because I'm fickle. But, you know, that's that's the way it is. Um, but also, look at the younger players, like Matasar. That guy, we signed him, he stayed there on loan, he's come in. His cameos now, everyone's seeing the player that he is, everybody. You know, his cameo against Palace last night was really impressive. I was impressed, yeah. Yeah, you know, ball recovery, his reading of the game is just so ahead of his years. Um, and that is athleticism. There's a real player there. Um, you look at the Destiny Dogu sign-in, who's still on loan over in Italy. He was injured for a while. He had his first game back the other day. Got an assist, something like 70-odd passes, key passes. His running was... He covered more ground than everybody else. The guy is a right wing-back. He is a machine on that side. He is, without a shadow of a doubt one of the hottest properties in Europe, and he's ours. He, he's he's ours in the summer, you know? Um, you mm. could look at the Jed Spence signing and say it's not worked, but at the same time, there's an element there, and Conte said it several times when he's asked about him, which is he is learning. He is learning. He was a good championship player, and now he's at a club in the Champions League. He is learning. Um and his cameos have been impressive, although possibly not as frequent as we'd all like, because anyone but Emerson Royale, please, for me right now. Um, don't you don't, don't but, you think he could talk about them too? Don't you think that uh, he could he should have bought on Spencer of Royale at, at, at that point? In the yeah, game Palace with a game yeah, ma- massively. And I, but I think there's an there's an element here of. I think Emerson Royale is uh, a professional that coaches like. I don't think I think his personality is good. I think his work rate in training, etc., must be good because Conte wouldn't tolerate him otherwise. 
Mm. And I, I get the impression he must be one of those players that looks, you know, they all believe there's there's something that, you know what I mean? It's like a rough yeah. diamond sort of thing. Everyone coaching him must look at him and go, it's all there. It just needs to click, you know, because he's still only 23, I think. So I think there's an element of them looking at him going there, there are, there's a guy there. We just got to keep giving him minutes and then boom, it's all going to, it's all going to kick in. And again, this comes with a little bit of mentality thing of Conte is kind of stuck with this situation where it's like, well, who is my first choice right wing back? I don't have a first choice. Matt Doherty plays okay, but then seems to just drift out of the game. Emerson Royale just has absolute, you know, just like it's where attacks go to die and we need our wing backs to be offensive. And, you know, and right now he doesn't think Jed Spence is ready to hit that level that he wants him to. Um, Based on that, he's constantly chopping and changing that role, and he's just there's no settled, there's no kind of. On the left side, you've got Perisic and Sessignon, and you you know you look at Sessignon's interviews and stuff. He's like, I'm learning so much from Perisic, yeah. <laughs> like I am, and every time Sessignon's on, he, he he does well for me. Perisic is kind of one of those players where I think my expectation for him is higher because of who he is, but then, like, last night, his delivery and a goal, you know, the guy's got it in spades. Um, So, it just, there, there's so much in there that you just kind of want to go, it's, it's frustrating, so many things are frustrating at the moment, but we did say we talk about it, and we've got the, like, 45 minutes, so we need to do it now. Uh, we did beat Palace last night, away at Selhurst Park. Now, I don't know about you, after losing 2-0 at home to Aston Villa... Picking a team to go to midweek on a night time, it is never Palace for me. That's hell. Selhurst Park evening kickoff is a very, very difficult place to go. And yeah. at halftime, nil-nil, we've not really played well. Palace have created a couple of chances. My, I got that feeling in my gut of I know what's going to happen here. We're going to end up losing. And we could end up losing... Two three nil to him again, you know, because we we don't score first anymore. You know, <laughs> it was just one of those things. So Palace are going to score, and it's all going to be about if we can come back. Um, none of our players really looked at it. They all looked like the same as against Villa, just that little bit off the pace. Now I am not sure what Antonio Conte said at halftime, but if he could say it before kickoff in the next game, I'd really appreciate it. Because I think it was, what, a minute into the second half? 1-0, Kane. Um, and then we we just we looked a different side. Like, we just looked confident. All the players suddenly were, like, wanted the ball and were ready and were looking forward and were running into space. Kane suddenly went into his, all oh, right, yeah, I, I, I know this. I'm I'm gonna drop deep and play Sunny in, and if they if they stand off me, I'm gonna hit shots. You know, I'm gonna get in, in behind. It, it felt like in the second half of that game, someone slapped them all and they woke up. You know, <laughs> it was like, oh yeah, I remember how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sunny for me getting that goal was so needed. Like so, so needed desperately of any player out there that needed something to go in off a shin, you know. But he managed it. He, he put it away. Um, came with two, um, marching him forward, setting more records. By the way, um, 
That was his 300th Premier League game. He's now scored the most goals of any player reaching that landmark, breaking Shearer's record there. Um, he's also, uh, him and Sonny are now the outright best strike partnership in Premier League history. Um, beating uh, Mane and Salah for most goal involvements, 34 games or something like that. So, it's kind of nuts, really. Um, and as someone pointed out to me yesterday, um, Newcastle are having you know, their best season in a generation are flying and are wonderful and we're having terrible time and our manager's up for the sack and I think there's two points between us. Shows your perception, it, doesn't it? It is perception and it is mad. Um, but winning that game 4-0 in the second half, mate, I mean, I, I was over the moon. Uh, over the moon just because it was nice to see us play football again. And, look, and in that second half, for me, we looked like the team that finished last season if that makes sense. Yeah, completely. I, I, I was exactly the same thought process as you before the game. I, I, I had resigned myself to losing, three, yeah. I think, 3-0 or 3 I, I even went on to Sky Bet and I was like, let's see what the odds are for a 3-1 Palace win. Yeah. And I was like, saying like 20-1. I thought oh, it's not even worth putting any money on. But I, I, I just, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be that. Yeah. And then at half time, oh, do I even want to watch the second half? Do, like, But yeah, it just, it's mad. I just kind of the the game finished. I'm like, I didn't see that one coming. No, but no, but but, I mean, but in a really mean. good way. And like you say, it, the the players are capable of it. They yeah. they're capable of playing like that. And yeah. we're we're missing some key players like Ben Tankor, Kulusevski. Yeah. Um, what we got? I mean, Charles. I guess you could call Richarlison a key player. Yeah, He's like you know he spent a lot of money so. on. You know we're missing some big big players, and we we still just turned it on and. You know, you could argue that that Palace are struggling a bit this season, but like like you yeah. said, Palace at home at night time, their home fans have all had a good drink. That you and, and do you know what I said this to Seb actually. Um, at, at, I think it was like about the 85th minute, and we're four 0 up. The game's dead, yeah. and you could still hear their their fans chanting. Yeah, 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 I mean that you got look, you got to take your hat off to that. You do, and it's it's a place. That, like, I always say, it, you play them on a Saturday afternoon, you, you can beat them. You, you play them 7.45 kickoff on a Tuesday, Wednesday. It's a nightmare. <laughs> that place yeah, is rocking. Yeah. It is an old school yeah. stadium. And the fans love it. They know it. They love being that part of that. They love, we are right on you, you bastards, from minute one. Um, and, do you know, and do you know what as well, Sam, um, yeah. what I liked? And, and again, I know this is kind of the theme of the podcast, but... Uh, Talking about how that, that how Palace felt like, and and you know what, there was a there was a t- tinge of envy from me seeing it at the beginning of the game, mm. where where I didn't I didn't know this, and obviously I only uh, worked out when when they when they showed the game because I don't think we played Palace in the first like the first game of the year, but they they put up on the for anyone that didn't watch it, they put up on the screen uh, before the game before kickoff a list of all the ex-players or anyone associated with the, the club who passed away the previous oh, year yeah, yeah. and then they list all the fans that are passed yeah. away so like how how does like that makes it's such a family club isn't it you know that these yeah. these fans we're going to put their name up because they're part of our club they're part they're, yeah. you know we're all, we're all together we're all a family yeah, whether you play uh, or whether you're a fan, you're you're all the same to us. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think that's the pop. Like you, you know, we can we can argue about uh, how much money Levy's putting into the club, and we can argue about investment and stuff. But I think that is what is missing. 
that is what is yeah. missing. We'd, we, we've, we've got this disconnect. You know, we, we don't feel like, for, no. for various reasons, we don't feel like we want, not that we're not wanted. I, I feel like the only, only purely one reason that I'm wanted at that club is because I pay them yeah. uh, every year for my season ticket. That is, for me, I feel like the only reason they want me. Yeah, you're, and I you're feel not like wrong. with Palace, you look at that, you look at, they listed all their fans that, that pa- unfortunately passed away. They're part of our family. We're going to, what's the word that we're going to not enshrine, but we're going to remember this, them. This is, we're going to have gonna a remember moment. them. These, yeah. They're ours. They're ours. These are our yeah. fans, you know, and it all just felt part of the family, you know, and, and I think that's, that is, that's it. That's the key. That's what's missing, mate. That's what's missing with us at the moment. Well, the sum, the sum Tottenham up perfectly is we lost two nil to Villa and I had an email from them on the evening offering me a discount on the Skywalk. <laughs> I mean, as if a Tottenham fan should be being urged to a high place at that yeah. moment. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it just sums up. Uh, mate, we need to move on to the fan questions because we have got some and we are we are running late. Although sounding great, so that's all right. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's hit it. Now it's time for your comments from our social media. Uh, Facebook or Instagram, my friend? Let's mix it up a little bit and go Facebook first. This right. time, shall we? The Book of Face. Uh, we open yeah. up with, uh, we had a couple of messages. Uh, the first one came in from Barry Fowles. Barry says, okay, my question for the podcast is this. Conte is now second in the sack race odds. Literally all Football London writers are predicting he goes at the end of the season. Would you rather him go now or later? Is Pochettino our only option, or would you like to see someone else in charge? Um, so two parts to that question. First of all, uh, the Conte sack race thing. I mean, I, I think that's mad, personally. If you look at um, Everton, as you look at West Ham, the expectations of those two clubs and what they're doing, the fact that Conte is rated higher than the sack than them, that that's mad to me, but whatever. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, that's, that's how bookies make their money. Uh, the Football London writers, not all, not all are predicting that. They're all, they're all kind of sitting on the fence if you actually read a lot of the articles um, and listen to Alistair Gold, for example, on, on his blog, the vlog thing he does on YouTube. Uh, but okay, so the question was, would I rather see him go now or at the end of the season? If he is going, I'd rather see him go at the end of the season, personally. Matt, what do you think? For for me, and I know you know me. I like to make things. I I choose a political analogy, mm. but for me, it feels like we're talking about how well the nurses are doing or not doing, as opposed to how how the government should be looking after them. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's how it fair. feels to me. I, yeah. I don't want to focus on Conte. Like yeah, I wouldn't. I don't want to focus on the nurses. You know. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I always want to focus on nurses personally. That's that's definitely <laughs> my way to go. Uh, Michael Jasper Anis also sent in a question. He says. Do you see the similarities between Conte and Mourinho? They both ended the first season well and started the second season strong before failing falling away. They both had a defensive-minded game plan that they wouldn't change and which the opposition teams knew and set up to play against. We have a world-class attack which under the last few managers seems to be stifled. Um, I think this is a perception thing. So, so just me personally... I don't think you can say under the last few managers our attack has been stifled. Um, Kane and Son set records under Mourinho. They were ridiculously good. And 
at the start of this season and still to this day, we're scoring goals for fun. We're just not keeping them out. <laughs> um, mm. Like you look at like the, the last game before the world cup leads, we won that game four, three, we conceded three goals, but we scored four. Um, previously, you know, we came back from two, how many times have we come back from two nil down recently to level it up or win? So our attacks aren't stifled. The the system that Conte plays isn't the Mourinho system. Mourinho literally was sit deep counter. It it was all based around Sonny and Kane being bloody good. That was it. That was all he had. That was the, the only thing he had was those two being bloody good. And when they had an off day, we lost. When he had a good day, we won. It was as simple as that. It was like AVB with Bale. Give the ball to the Welsh lad. And yeah. and that, and when he scored in the game, we did well. When he had an off game, we lost. <laughs> it just, it was like that. Conte's system isn't that. Conte's system, everyone's calling it defence-minded because they're seeing it as a back five. In reality, it should be a back three. But we have to be on the front foot and you have to have the players to have the confidence to be on that front foot really like Hoybier and Bentoncourt when they're in their middle they press higher than many people think they do like watch them Bentoncourt will steal the ball in the final third more than anybody because he presses right up and that's what they do they push right up because the wing backs try to push right up and try and force the team we're playing to be defensive because they are more worried about oh these guys are running past us the issue we've got is the the skill sets and Emerson Royale is a kind of example. And I don't want to sound like I'm just constantly singling this guy out. I, I, I don't like doing that, but he will run past people for days, but will produce nothing. So if you were setting up to play against Tottenham right now, you're going to keep your eye on Perisic because that guy's delivery is phenomenal. But if Emerson Royale is going to go past you, are you that worried? His delivery is laughable. He, he doesn't shoot and score. The guy, you know, he's very one-footed. So you're not going to be as worried. You're not going to be as concerned by that. Let him let him go. You know, let him run past. Uh, people will cover that. Mm. Keep Perisic locked down. Keep Kane locked down. Son is ban out of form. You know, so don't don't worry about him. Just show him on to just, just stand up, make him run. And Son is constantly losing the ball because he is out of form. He is just not doing it. Now, if you had Richarlison and Sonny dropped at a bench, Richarlison would be a nuisance. He'd run people into the ground is what he does. It's a different thing. Kulisevsky, that guy just is confident. He is just walking confidence. So he'll try a flick. He'll try a one-two. He'll do. He'll beat a man. Those are the difference makers that we are lacking right now. So it's very easy to kind of look at it and go, oh, bloody hell, it's like Jose all over again. For me, personally, it's really not. But yeah, Matt, what do I you think? You. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and it's it's really frustrating because of the way that, like you said, like the way Conte plays, the wing backs are so important for Massively, creating yeah. chances, and so when you've got Royale, and again, like, I don't want to sound like I'm picking them, but, but even like, like, I know Doherty scored uh, last night. I yeah. appreciate that, but he, my biggest frustration with Doherty, he doesn't, he seems to be really devoid of confidence. Yeah, like he'll get into those positions. And you think, right, just cut in on the defender, but and he'll just stop, look back, and then make a backwards pass. Yep. He, he can't. He, he, he's, he, he goes for the safe option too many times, yeah. and and you need dynamic. You need basically Perisic either side, don't you? 
Perisic has got that. Not, I know you Perisic's dead luck, you said, from crossing. But the guy doesn't care. He'll go. He'll, he's got the confidence to cut inside yeah. and put a cross yeah. in, you know, and, and take on a player and, and you know, dribble or, yeah. you know, nutmeg. But but on our right, Royale and Doherty, they just haven't got that. And unfortunately, yeah. that's a major, it's a major pipeline to where we're going to get a lot of chances. And if that's being it's, cut yeah. off. It's a major pipeline, not just for chances, but for creating space. Because if you are worried about the wing back, you have to go across and cover the wing back. And if you go across and cover the wing back, then that's one less person in the middle and there's space. Yeah, and Kane thrives on space. Kane will create and score goals for fun given space. So we need goal. to create it for goal. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he just gets up. Just bang, that finish yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. It, it just. You, you need to do that and you need to create it. And at the moment, we're not. We're, we are on the left. And there is an argument to say, start Sessignon left, Perisic right. I mean, the guy's genuinely two-footed. Like, genuinely can use both feet. Um, but I, I think the manager is just trying to, at the moment, make the best of what is there. And yeah, you could definitely argue that change the system then. You know, if you don't have the personnel to play that way. But I think Conte's been kind of up front since he arrived, which is, this is the way I want to play. This is the way I know is successful. This is the way I know we can beat teams, the best teams, the smaller teams, everybody. But I need to have the players commit to do what I ask them to do. Mm. Um, there, there's no, there's, there's no kind of coincidence that Harry Kane looked great under Jose. Harry Kane looked great under Antonio Conte because these guys come in, explain what they want him to do, and Kane is at a level where he's like, okay, and he does it, and he does it well. And there are other players who do it and do it well. And then there are other players that just unfortunately, they, they can't. And this is where the mentality of the club comes in. They should be gone. You know, they, they should be gone and replaced, but they're not. Um, so on our post, we got a thing from Michael Joseph, a brave call for discussion topics. <laughs> we know Conte doesn't rely on youth. I've read a lot of comments asking where is the talent that should be coming from our academy. So is there a number of prospects that will be coming in the coming years? Um, oh man, this is such a bigger debate than I've got time for. But there is a lot of quality in our academy system. A lot. Like really, really good players. But I do feel... And Pochettino talked about this, and I do feel that Conte is in this awful position of he is there to try and maintain top four Champions League football and to try and win something. And he's got a squad of professionals and internationals who are either not quite hitting the ground performing-wise or anything, but he is stuck with them. And what I mean by stuck with them is the thing we've discussed, the mentality of the club. But... From my point of view, I'm looking at them going, look, if they're playing crap, then give a kid a go. That's that's my point of view. But my job isn't dependent on <laughs> isn't dependent on Tottenham winning. And I also know from experience from watching it happen, when a young player comes in and doesn't immediately do everything everyone wants, the fans get on them. Yeah. Um uh, Carl Walker Peters is a fantastic right back right wing back in the Premier League can cover left back left wing back as well he is a Premier League level player personally he could have been a lot better if we loaned him and developed him different argument but he is 
solid. Some of the top clubs in the country are genuinely looking at signing him from Southampton right now. Um, um, by top club, I mean like Man United are looking at him, Liverpool are looking at him. He is a very good homegrown English player. The Tottenham fans ripped him apart because he made mistakes when he came on. Young players will make mistakes. Oliver Skip last night didn't have a good start to the game. He got booked. He was all over the place. He's hardly played, and he is a young player, still learning. He, he he managed to get into the game and did well up until the point he came off. I mean, he was on a booking, so it was right to take him off. But what I mean is, you, you, people get on these players, and you can destroy them. Harry Winks, phenomenal player, phenomenal player, and our fans wrecked him, turned him into a meme. The guy's got no confidence at all now. And, and so that can happen. Well, like, it's such a fine line. Yeah, of course. And a good example of of, uh, of young players who, you know, they'll come on, like Harry Winks and players like that. I mean, not so much. I mean, a few years ago, he was almost like a, one of the first names on the team sheet. I know he, yeah. he lost a lot of form. But a good example, in if you look at like something very, you know, a very small period of time, look at Brian Gill. So he's had two, yeah. two starts. Yeah. And... Against Aston Villa, he was he wasn't great. He got pulled off after about sixty minutes, yeah. I think, didn't he? Yesterday, he was he was a lot better. Like yeah, yeah. he he would still make mistakes, but you could see that he's because he's he's having he's getting game time now. Yeah. He's now becoming a lot more a, a more uh, um, you've seen a better player, yeah. and and that's yeah. what it is, isn't it? It's game time, you know. It is it is game time, and he is going to get that right now due to injuries. You mm. know, um, Richarlison's out, Kulusevski's out. Lucas is out, and he's the guy there. He'll play against Portsmouth, won't he, the weekend? Oh, I, 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 yeah. I mean, he should, definitely. I mean, uh, Matasar is another player. Like, he, he came on, me. and I'd like to see him start. Um, I would. And it just, there are players there, young players at the club, not just from the academy, young players we've signed who are really, really good and is about getting games, but it is a balancing act. And it ain't fair. It's not easy. And I, I know the simplest thing is, oh, get them alone then and stuff like that. But then if you do that, like so for example, Patton, Matasar, Skip and Gill are free players that really need games. Definitely need games. The club could loan them. But if, if we loaned them, look at our bench last night. <laughs> mm. And and look, you know, take those three players out and, that's it. and it's even worse, you know. Uh, Harvey White came on and I've said this ages and everyone listen to me he's the best set piece taker at the club he really is came on last night straight away he was taking the corners anyone else notice that yeah i'm yeah. not alone clearly everyone else agrees with me <laughs> he is uh the kid's got a wand of a left peg and i'd like to see him get some more minutes so there's a lot there but it is a real balancing act and i think everyone is is so not easy you know it isn't fifa it isn't you know, it isn't football manager where you just throw them all in there and give them minutes. It's 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 a real balancing act. And when you are judged on your results, like Conte and everyone is, and things aren't going well, it is not an easy time to put kids in. Mm. It's really not. You know, you're you're two things that you either you're in a crap position, you sell your top players, and you just promote youth, and you go right, we're starting again, and you're just going to accept a lot of mistakes and everything as the team develops. Or you're you're trying to take that next step, and you need to sign quality to go on and win something. Now we as a club are saying that's where we are with Conte in charge. We are saying we are looking to sign quality to take us to that next level. 
And that doesn't mean youth doesn't develop. Foden at Man City, that kid was ready to be playing first team football for about three years before he really started getting minutes. But Pep kept him there, kept him there, kept him there, training with the top players all the time and then started giving him minutes. And it's very easy to do that when you're at Man City and you're beating teams. You're 3-0 up, giving 20 minutes. You're 4-0 up, give him half an hour, you know. Oh, look, we're 5-0 up after 10 minutes. Great, give him 60-odd minutes, you know. It is very easy to do that when you are battering teams and you're doing stuff. And I taught them we're doing that. On a regular basis, you'd be seeing these young kids come off the bench because that's what you do. That is the smart thing to do because it develops your squad options. Conte's not an idiot. He's not against young players. He knows the better, more squad options he's got, the more competition, the more drive there is. You take off a senior pro and a young kid comes on and outperforms him, that senior pro's got to buck his ideas. Yeah. And that's what you want. That's what you need. But, yeah, anyway, right, see, I, I get very passionate about that. I should shut up. Uh, next one's Ryan Miller, who says, is there any news on transfers coming in? Uh, no. <laughs> that was really that was really short and sweet, but no. Uh, linked with loads, nothing from anyone that I'd, I'd class as, you know, worthwhile. Mark Evans says, what is the prospect of Jed Spence getting a few starts as we are desperate for a wing-back? Uh, we kind of touched on this already, Mark. Um, I would like to see him start at a weekend. I don't think he will, but I'd like to see him start at a weekend. Um, Pete Thompson says, Happy New Year. Hope you're all doing well. With undoubtedly the negativity that will come with most questions, I'd like to ask if there's anything positive to talk about Spurs at the moment. Give it your best shot. Go on, Matt. <laughs> we won 4 0 against Palace last night. Yay! There we go. <laughs> to be fair to Pete, he asked this before before that no, I result. I know he did. I know he did. Uh, <laughs> the next one's from Super Sub Stefan Cruz Alvarez, who I have to say, by the way, all fellow Tottenham fans, send him congratulations on the birth of his daughter. Baby Tiana is here. Um, Tiana, and she is a Tottenham fan already, thanks to the gifts from me <laughs> and him. Uh, but yes, she arrived just before Christmas and the poor bastard hasn't slept since. <laughs> it's, it's bad that I'm laughing about that, but I am because it's not me. Um, so this was Brave, guys. It is so toxic in the fan base right now. Uh, Conte has been talking about the young players he's working on, but he doesn't seem to play them. Is he hoping to buy talent? Did he even research before taking the job? Um, we kind of just touched on that, mate, um, and and sort of talked about the the weird position he's in. Um, but I think Conte, when he joined us, has not really changed his narrative of I've joined because I want to win stuff, and the club tell me they want to win stuff as well, and now they need to show me. Uh, last January, I felt the signings of Kulisevsky and Bensoncourt did show him that. I personally think our summer window was good. Uh, I think we were possibly one player short, but I thought we did well. Um, and a lot of the reason why we were one player short is because we were just unable to offload some players, um, which again comes back to a whole other debate. But again, th this window here, we we've kind of fallen into this awkward position now where Conte wants the club to sign these players to show him back in and then he'll sign a new deal. And the club want him to sign a new deal before they back him because they don't want to sign a load of Conte players and then have him leave. Yeah. 
catch twenty two. It is a catch twenty two. So yeah. we're kind of like in this standoff position at the moment. Now the club does have the ability to trigger an extra year on Antonio Conte's deal. I'm guessing, guessing by the way he's talking, he does have a say in that. <laughs> there isn't a kind of like, no, you're under contract. We're chaining you to the stadium. Um, so I'm guessing all parties have to agree to that extension because otherwise the club would have just extended it and the debate, wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a discussion that is happening at a level right now. But me personally, it's one of those things where if you are signing quality players, your Paratici's looked at him and gone, yeah, this guy's quality and he fits Conte. But more than that, we're signing quality. So if Conte, you know, look, no tomorrow's a given. We've had a coach this year die on us. You know, this guy was working really hard with the players one week and left us the next. Conte could get it by a damn bus. You can't work on the fear, you know, you can have a 10-year contract and still walk, you know? Mm. So as a club, you need to look at it and go, okay, but are we signing quality? So if we are signing quality, any coach we then bring in, should Conte not be here anymore, will be working with quality. And that's that's what matters. If you, if you are good enough, it doesn't matter the manager, except for that particular idiot that no one liked, the one we don't talk about. Any excuse. Um, <laughs> but look at it. Like I just said about Kane. Kane under Jose, brilliant. Kane under Pochettino, brilliant. Kane under Conte, brilliant. It, if you're good enough, it doesn't matter. So if you're signing players at a level of quality, then if Conte walks, he walks. But at least you as a club are still progressing. And for me... It just, you know, it's summed up again and it's made worse by the fact that Chelsea at the road were into the fifth. Chelsea have signed players. Liverpool have signed players. Man United have signed players. We're into the 5th of January. We've not even... We've done nothing. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it, it feels like I'm driving my head for a wall. But uh, we have a break from the league um, this weekend and it is time for the FA Cup. Uh, Matt, are you going? No, I'm not. Um, I'm not going to the Portsmouth game, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm going to the Arsenal game, though. But uh, with the Arsenal <laughs> game, um, I'm gonna. This is what I, this is what I plan to do before the um, before yesterday's game, and I will still do it. Look, yeah. I, I, I'm 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 falling into this short-term thinking trap now, and I and I won't. Right, okay. So what I'm gonna do <clears throat> is I'm gonna do a big sign. Okay, yeah. if we lose. Right. Yeah, and and I know it's really negative thinking because I think we're going to beat yeah. them, but if if um if we lose, it's going to be an it's going to be an a Levy and Enoch out sign, and okay. I'm just going to stand there until the Sky Sports cameras <laughs> go on to me. Even if I'm if me and Seven, the last two fans in that stadium, yeah, I'm going to make sure he sees his sign. Okay, <laughs> I'm 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 well up for that. Um, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I've told you this, but they moved the Tottenham Arsenal game to the 15th of January. The 15th of January is my birthday. Oh, my God. And it mate. just so happens this to be my not... 40th birthday. Oh, mate. This is going to be... Yeah. Like, the gamble. The gamble. You are basically playing roulette with your 40th birthday now, aren't you? It's awful. It's absolutely awful. The minute they moved it, I was like, you bastards. <laughs> you absolute bastards. It's Eric Dyer's birthday as well, by the way. Um, But... Oh. 
he's not falling. Uh, no, he's not. No, he's youthful and exuberant and all, all that running around fit nonsense. Uh, mate, I, 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 I'm dreading it. But we will be back before then. Uh, so this weekend we play Portsmouth in the FA Cup. Very much looking forward to it because I love the FA Cup. And I, I mean, I want us to win, obviously. I want us to win every game. Uh, but the FA Cup means a lot to me, probably because I'm 40. <laughs> but uh, younger people don't give a crap about it, but I do. Um, so desperate for us to do well there. And then we will be back on Thursday next week again to talk about all things FA Cup and to look ahead to the North London Derby because that North London Derby leads us into Man City away uh, You know, on the Thursday then uh, we play Man. Uh, then we play Fulham away, Man City at home, Leicester away. Then the Champions League returns. You know, so so fo- football ain't football ain't dying off. <laughs> it's it's getting meaty again. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, mate, we better call it here. Um, I want to say a massive thank you as always, to everybody for listening. We will be back next week to talk more and hopefully talk about an FA Cup success. Until then, everyone, you will take care and come on, you Spurs. Take care, mate. Thank you for listening to the Spurs News Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. Stay up to date with all things Tottenham. Follow us on social media. All links are in the podcast description.